later on this episode. Four or five years ago, I had all these personal goals in terms of how much money I wanted to make per year, all the things I wanted to do, the places I wanted to travel, the type of house I wanted to live in. And I was meeting with this guy who was an executive coach downtown Denver, and we were going through an initial discovery session of why I wanted all these things, and he was going to help me get on the right path. And then he was like, hey, wait, there's no one else in this dream or vision. Like, you're not helping anyone. Are you giving back to anyone? And I started crying. It, like, moved me to tears because a lot of the things that I was doing, it was all about me. It wasn't about anyone else. And he was like, well, how can you come from a place? Because all these things, if you have all this money and all these houses and cars, but there's no one to share it with, then what's the point? This is At The Podium with Manuela Mesqua, a podcast featuring interviews with top performers in sports, business, and entertainment to uncover the stories, lessons, and disciplines of the top 1%. Ladies and gentlemen. And now here's your host, CEO and entrepreneur, Manuela Mesqua. Folks, I'm extremely excited to be here. Another incredible conversation at the podium. Today, I have my good friend, Benny Fowler, eight-year NFL veteran, serial entrepreneur, 30 days out from making the most significant commitment of his life, (laughs) getting married to his beautiful fiance, Benny. Welcome to the show. Manuel, I appreciate you, my man, a.k.a. Manny. I appreciate you having me on the on the podcast, back on the Podium Podcast. But uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be in the office, to see the city of Detroit, to be back home. So super excited about this conversation. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm so glad that we agreed to do this, right? Because you're actually the first guest that I had on early when we were first rolling out these conversations that we were having with good friends, with clients, with advocates of the firm, advocates of Mass Mutual Great Lakes, advocates of Podium Risk Management, and you're the first one that I asked to come back on. And two things came across my mind last week when I knew you were going to be in town. One, this is your hometown. Yes. Hometown. I was like, man, he's going to be in his hometown. Like, you know, blast from the past, memories about the neighborhood, the kids you hustle with, going to Detroit Country Day, ending up with Coach D'Antonio at Michigan State, an incredible NFL career. But, But number two... I just always have enjoyed our conversations, and and folks, it's interesting. I ask our guests the same questions prior to beginning the discussion, and just like last time when I said, hey, is there anything you're really excited about that you want to talk about today? You said, no, let's just have a great conversation, (laughs) and so I've always appreciated that about you. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, there's... I just, yeah, I enjoy conversations. That's one of my strengths is building relationships, building rapport with people. And and that's what I really love to do. But yes, it it feels great to be back home in Detroit, in Michigan. I could just, I could see all the memories. I can think about the pancake houses right around the corner from here. I think about (laughs) Detroit Country Day. I think about that, that drive down Losser. And there used to be a Farmer Jack right there where Empress Garden is one of the best Chinese food restaurants in Michigan, if not all what? of What? It's right there on Lost, right next to the mobile gas station. No shame, about, shout out. No, I think about I think about all those things. And I mean, this is who I became, you know, who yes. I am now. It started here. And, you know, shout out to my parents who created an incredible environment no doubt. for me to grow up here. Yeah, for you and your brother. Right, brother and my two sisters. Oh, and your two step, yeah, two sisters, stepmom. So, you know, shout out to my parents. They set an incredible foundation here in this in this great city. 
Let's let's. Um, I'm not going to ask you the same four questions again because we did it the first time. But let's 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 start with um, being back home and maybe a few of the basic core values that you took from your childhood that you're now applying. I mean, you've applied them in sports, Mm -hmm. but you're now applying them in the business world as a serial entrepreneur. I mean, I've never seen a guy like within the first year of getting on out of the league, having three to four like legitimate interests that he's pouring his heart and soul into. And you are talk to me about the core values you grabbed from your childhood that you've applied forward now in life. Yeah, I think my parents did a really good job of setting an example. And I think about when my dad was plant manager at Wayne Assembly and him taking my brother and I to the assembly plant on Saturdays to make sure, you know, the cars were still being built and making sure the standard was still being set at Ford. I think about that and I think about being driven. I think about my mom leaving you know, her practice at a major law firm and starting her own practice. That's that entrepreneurial spirit that I have. So I think being driven is one of the core values. You have to be driven. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. You don't have to have all the answers, but you do have to be passionate about what you're doing. I also think about building relationships. I think about, you know, we talked about that before we even started the podcast. That's a huge Mm -hmm. thing for me is relationships. Relationship capital is the most important capital you'll ever have. And that's what I pride myself on. And I think that's something that I've learned from my parents, but also in sports. You know, mm-hmm. you go to these new teams in the NFL, you go to a Michigan State, You, the first thing you have to do is build relationships. Before you run any plays, mm-hmm. you have to build relationships. And that starts with trust, and that starts with building rapport and getting to know people. But that's also getting to know yourself. As you're meeting these people, how do you fit? Who are you? You know, as you're going into these certain rooms and situations, I tell athletes all the time now, is that yes, I just got done and I just retired, but you know, who you are, you know, being an athlete gets you in a lot of doors, but who you are after keeps you in those doors. And mm-hmm. that speaks to what you're saying in terms of those core values. And I think that's something that's super important. So it would be being driven, it would be relationships, it'd also be abundance. I come from a place mm. and I come from a mindset of possibilities. What's possible? in terms of these situations. So yes, I'm in three to four different things right now as, as I'm trying to figure out, you know, what do I really want to be or re- where do I want to be in the next 10 to 20 years? Mm-hmm. I know who I want to be as a person, but that can look different in so many different ways. But I come from a place of possibilities. I don't see the the, the roadblocks necessarily in any of these paths right now. That's why I'm super passionate about all of them. So I come from a place of abundance. That's a, a mindset. I'm, I'm, you know, very curious to see, you know, just for, from yourself, the core values that you still use from your childhood today. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I was when you, when you, you spoke up about the mindset of abundance. It, it quickly took me back to when Samantha and I first made the commitment to move to Michigan in 2017 and to serve as steward and team captain to the firm, which is now Mass Mutual Great Lakes, and. I remember vividly uh, driving across the state line for the first time with my wife and the children in the car. It was Sunday, March 19th of 2017. And um, I was driving, but they were driving me here to drop me off at the Weston Hotel in Southfield, Michigan. Hmm. And they were going to go back and they were going to finish school. And in June, we'd be back together. And... Um, I just remember it being a very emotional moment when we saw the sign that said, welcome to Michigan. And, you know, through many years of therapy, 
and and just understanding myself and how I'm wired and trying to understand and appreciate my wife as a whole human, I knew that in that moment, I shouldn't try to solve what's going on. I should just ask if there's anything I could do to help her feel better, right? Mm -hmm. And so I did, and I just remember her saying, you know, like, you really better be the best version of yourself and, like, dominate. You know, you just better dominate. That's a great part. And, yeah, and our children started saying, oh, total Michigan domination, Dad. (laughs) And that's where, you know, people see TMD, the acronym TMD around, and that's what it is. And, And people would ask, what does that mean? And some of the core values that I took from my childhood, which are always having a mindset of abundance. You know, whether you have a lot or you have a little, be abundant in your way of thinking because that will drive your behavior and your actions. Number two was the commitment to mastery and excellence in serving other human beings and adding value in their lives. And then the third is just the commitment to the hard work. Just do the work. Yeah. You know what I mean? They talk about the man who loves walking versus the man who's only obsessed about the end outcome or the destination. And who's going to experience more wins, micro wins, you know, marginal gains along the journey. And it's going to be the person who just enjoys the journey. Yeah. You know, the prize is in the journey. <clears throat> the prize is in the journey. Yeah. So, no, I mean, there's so, there's so much we could talk about in that space. You know, I know that, I mean, at such a young age, you're pivoting from an already nearly decade, uh, uh, decade successful career in the NFL and you're already having to reinvent yourself, mm. right? In a different environment, in a different arena, if you will. What are some of, what are some of like the tips or some of the advice that you might give to young professionals who aren't necessarily in love with what they're doing, or they are in love with what they're doing, but they know the end will come to that and they'll have to reinvent themselves. What's some of the advice or the guidance that you might give them? Things for them to work on now or be mindful of now so that they're prepared for when that pivot comes? I would say, you know, they always had this saying in the pros, like, you know, my agent when I first was leaving Michigan State, say, hey, when you go into an NFL building, be a pro. When you go into any NFL organization, that's the one thing that they always talk about is be a pro. Even the last time I got cut, they said, hey, we might call you back because you're the ultimate pro. And that was Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco 49ers. But to me, being the pro means a purpose, being reliable, and being optimistic. Purpose, reliable, and optimistic. Because at the end of the day, if you have a purpose behind it, yeah, you might not love it right now, but if you can find the purpose within it, you will eventually love it, or you will find the love in it. Being reliable, you have to be available, you have to be accountable. In the NFL, that's the number one saying. Your best ability is your availability. If you're not available, then we can't use you. It's only 53 spots. And then being optimistic, there's going to be ups and downs in life. But that perspective that you have is super important. Are you looking at only the bad and not any good? Or are you only looking at the good and not any bad? How can you have a neutral perspective? So I think that's one of the things that I would tell people is, you know, be a pro. You know, purpose, reliable, and optimistic. That's one of the things that you have to do. And, you know, for the athletes out there is that, you know, you can transfer those skills that you're using as a professional athlete into everyday life. You know, hard work, 100%. discipline, all those things are are the same things that I do every single day. I, I don't have the same workout routine, but I, I still have the same diet, 
supplement routine because all those things were bringing mental clarity and physical energy for me every single day. So why would I leave that just because I'm not playing football anymore? So some of those things still carry over. Just as we were talking when I walked in the office today, you asked me if I wanted anything to eat. I don't eat till one. So I don't need to, you know, have that many calories now. So I think, you know, as athletes are transitioning out of sports or anybody that's in transition is that you, yeah, have, you have to have that purpose. I think that's why I'm trying different things right now. All of them are aligned though, in terms of my purpose to help people live and lead into their full potential. You know, it's, it's interesting that you wrap up that those comments and you know, we, 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 we had another guest in earlier this morning and he's the CEO of Henry Ford medical group. Mm. And the purpose is almost identical. Yeah. Around helping people. Yeah. Right? Helping people be their best. Absolutely. And as the CEO of Henry Ford Medical Group, right, you're you <clears throat> you have a narrower focus on on people's health. And he's a neurosurgeon by trade, one of the most recognized ones in, in the country, if not the world. And <clears throat> and that's his purpose. And that's the hospital's purpose. Yeah. And that's the two thousand researcher and physician group's purpose. Tell me more about this simplified view that you have around helping people. Well, I had all these goals when I was maybe like four or five years ago. I had all these personal goals in terms of how much money I wanted to make per year, all the things I wanted to do, the places I wanted to travel, the type of house I wanted to live in. And I was meeting with this guy who was an executive coach downtown Denver and we were going through an initial discovery session of why I wanted all these things. And he was going to help me get on the right path. And then he was like, hey, wait, there's no one else in this dream or vision. Like, <laughs> you're not helping anyone. Are you giving back to anyone? And I started crying. It like moved me to tears because a lot of the things that I was doing, it was all about me. It wasn't about anyone else. And he was like, well, how can you come from a place? Because all these things, if you have all this money and all these houses and cars, but there's no one to share it with, then what's the point? And that's when my perspective started to change in terms of my purpose, because my purpose has to be bigger than myself. And when people are struggling to get out of bed in the morning or they're struggling with different things, it's because you're always focused on you and not anyone else. And that's, that's what led me to that. And, you know, my purpose has changed at first It was to speak on stage and help people live and lead into their full potential. And he helped me come up with this moonshot goal of, okay, let me uh, fill the Pepsi Center with my own personal live event. And it's a place not to get to, but to come from. It's a place to come from. So 30,000 people with my own personal live event. And that was getting me super excited. I went and got the same coaching degree that he got. I went and got the same certifications. And I've still, we haven't had a conversation since then. We've had like short conversations, two minute conversations, but we haven't had a 90 minute session like we've had since then. But just that type of conversation led to all of that. And that's why I want to help people do. It's like, what if if I help you come from a place that gets you excited, not only about, you know, what you can achieve, but what you can help other people achieve, you know, similar to yourself in a situation where you're helping families, yes, helping people live the life that they want to and not sacrifice in terms of like oh i can't do this no right. well let's let's plan from a place of abundance let's come up with a strategic plan financially to put you in a situation for you to win long term not just in the next couple of years 
How long ago was that? That was 2018. And how did you meet him? So I, I work out at a private gym in Denver, and he's a client there. And, you know, I was telling people about, you know, you know, some of the plans that I have for, I wasn't done playing at this time, but, you know, life after. And um, they're like, you got to meet JP. You got to meet JP. It's like, all right, like, like, you know, let's let's set it up. And then, you know, I reached out to him and went down to his place. And we had this incredible conversation and, like, changed my life in terms of, like, oh, wow, this is actually possible in terms of not only, you know, the things that I can achieve, but I can help other people achieve. But just that little bit of a conversation, you know, super powerful questions of, like, why do you really want that? And what's that going to give you? And what's that going to give you are important questions to to ask and answer. And so you're you're applying this forward in some of the coaching that you're doing now, right? You're serving and leading others. Tell us about the organization. Tell us about how you got plugged into it or started it. Share that story. Yeah, so I got started, you know, with the coaching journey through that conversation. I was like, okay, I, I want to, you know, speak on stage, but then I also want to do this coaching and have these types of conversations with people and that led to me, you know, going to the certification school and see uh, Coactive Training Institute and getting certified and getting my hours. And, you know, when you get those hours, like those are tough conversations, especially because you're working a different muscle. Mm-hmm. Coaching is not, you're not yes. telling, you're not advising, I'm not advising people what to do. I'm helping them and empowering them to make their own decisions. So it's a lot of questions. It's how, what, what's, you know, what are you thinking about that? You know, how's that going to make you feel? It's a different type of of coaching slash consulting so that's what got me into that and then just recently you know my business partner dirk dixon yes uh portical i met dirk in october at a networking event we had an incredible conversation and this was the part of my business that was kind of missing you know i was still playing but this is the part of the business i was missing i had a little bit of imposter syndrome like oh yeah i can help your business grow but like if this business owner had said like Okay, yeah, how are you going to do that? Like, I had it from a leadership point standpoint, but not from a systems and processes to really scale a business. And that's the partnership that I needed. And, you know, a, a coach of mine told me one time, one of my many coaches told me, you know, we're not built to do this alone. And I think that's one of the, that's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. And, like, you know, Dirk has been right, my right hand or I'm his right hand, whatever. But, we do a lot of good things together. We work really well together, all off of based off of a conversation. But that also comes from that conversation with JP and yes. him sparking that with inside of me, helping me go out there. I go to networking events two, three times a week now. I don't know anybody in these rooms, but I put myself in these uncomfortable conversations because it's not about me. It's about what I can help them do and what I can help them achieve. So. I don't know. It gets me super fired up. It gets me super excited. But I'd be sim- it'd probably be you know similar to how you know you discovered your purpose. But what makes you go out and do the things that you do? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and 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 thanks for sharing that. I mean, that that's a great question. I mean, I think from you know, you and I've had this discussion before that um, you know, I I learned at a very early age that the ability or inability to create financial security, stability, and success for yourself, your family, the people in the community that relies on you can significantly impact the experiences 
the power of choice and and some of the outcomes you know on your journey and so <clears throat> for me very early on i just realized you know if i'm not going to be a priest and help someone with their faith <laughs> right. i didn't enlist in the military and defend our country's freedom which is literally one of the most selfless things i can think of mm-hmm. in humanity is someone who does that that's the ultimate sacrifice um and i'm not a neurosurgeon or a fitness instructor to help someone with their physical and mental health, you know, it's like what more noble profession could I devote my life to than to help people understand their dreams, priorities, and fears, their relationship with money, mm-hmm. good and bad relationships with money, and and help them really architect the financial plan that allows them to hit that play button, man, yeah. on what they want, right? <clears throat> and I think... You know, Dr. Kalkanis mentioned the the like the joy and the satisfaction and the reward of being able to tell a family that you removed a tumor from that person's brain mm. successfully and that there's brighter days ahead, right? And so for us, you know, when when we get a message from a client who retires successfully or sends their children to college successfully, or God forbid the ones who have passed and phoned me. And said, you're literally the second person I'm phoning after the hospital, right? Yeah. Um, And to be able to tell them that, like, you know, like, this part of your life is in order. Mm -hmm. Like, we got this, Mm -hmm. right? We've worked really hard all the way to this point to make sure that everything's good. Um, That's really, really powerful and gratifying. It's super important that you, you say that. But then also, every time I hear you talk about your purpose and the purpose of of mass mutual and, and what you're doing you smile every time and i think that's something that people that's something that i notice you know because i pick up on body language yeah. <laughs> not just words but you smile every time you say the purpose that means you really love what you're doing i hope that people when they are figuring out their purpose or their why you know is that they smile when they talk about it because that means you really love what you're doing and that you know yes it's work but at the same time you know it doesn't feel like work you enjoy coming into the office you enjoy getting on the phone and having these conversations with people and, and also being there for people when they, when they're going through a tough time. Yeah. And I, you know, I appreciate you saying that too. I mean, I think, you know, the, you know, there's something you said earlier and you've actually said a few times when we've spoken, but I, I just think of the significance of being in an incredible cor- culture, playing on an incredible team with incredible teammates hmm. and how different that experience is, even if you are not winning, But to be on a team that has clarity and vision, clarity and purpose, clarity and what great commitment looks like to each other and to themselves, you know, talk about maybe some of the best teams you've played on, whether you name the team, but maybe paint a picture of what that looked and felt like to you as a teammate. Yeah. When when I hear clarity, clarity brings power. But when I think about incredible teams that I played on, I think about my first Michigan State team that won the Big Ten Championship in 2010. And Mm. the way that the seniors led. Those seniors led. Kirk Cousins was the quarterback, but we had Mark Dell, B.J. Cunningham, Keyshawn Martin. Those were the receivers. It was just incredible leadership, but the culture was everything. Coach D had really built that culture. And what really speaks out is that, you know, you can really see how good your culture is in terms of adversity. I don't think we started off 3-0 and, and, you know, we beat Notre Dame on a fake field goal in overtime. And, you know, that night, Coach D has a heart attack. 
how do you respond? Yes. We get closer. We go on to basically win every game that year. I forgot who we lost to. Oh, we lost to Iowa. We lost to Iowa at Iowa. But, you know, Coach D goes goes down and he's out for a couple of weeks. And it's like, how do we respond? And our team, we, we picked up our performance. We picked up our play. The leadership was incredible. You know, usually when the head coach is out, you never know how things are going to respond or how you're going to respond to adversity. And we became a tight-knit group. Went on going to win the Big Ten Championship or share the Big Ten Championship. And we played Alabama in the bowl game. It wasn't a good bowl game, but... You know, it was our first time and our first taste of success. And then, you know, the culture carries over. And we, sure. go, in 11, we go in 11 and 3 the next year. And we beat Georgia in the Outback Bowl. Yeah. Uh, we have an up and down year. And then we come back from my senior year. And it was just like, hey, like this is, you know, we had an incredible senior class that had tasted some success. But we're coming off a 7 and 6 year. How are we going to respond? And here we go. And only team in Big Ten history to win every Big Ten game by 10 or more points. You know, we won every wow. game by double digits that year, my senior year, but the culture was incredible. And it wasn't a culture in terms of the coaches telling the players what to do. It was, play, it was players coaching players. Yes. The accountability was incredible. Yes. You know, we're having tough conversations. We're having critical conversations. But we're not, pay, we're not making people feel down. We're building people up. It's feed forward, not feedback. We were feeding forward. It was incredible. And we were clicking on all cylinders. You know, Ohio State was, they had won 24 straight. We played them in the Big Ten Championship, but I knew we weren't going to lose that game. Darquez Denard gets up and speaks right before. What? The he speaks right before. <laughs> he speaks right before we're getting ready to leave for Lucas Oil. And it wasn't a, a dry eye in there in terms of what he said. I'll never forget the words that he said. I won't say them on camera, but yes. he had this incredible speech. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to win this game. Similar to, you know, when I was playing with the Broncos and Peyton spoke the night before. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to win. Um, but those cultures, it was, you know, people loved. It was a collective mindset. Yes. Not just individual mindsets, but it was a collective mindset. There was psychological safety for people to be themselves and share vulnerabilities, but pick one another up. When I got to Denver, that was a game changer in terms of like what standard was. You know, yeah, you're sure building more about a, that. Yeah, you're building a culture at Michigan State. Coach D did an incredible thing. Mel Tucker's doing it right now. Oh my gosh. Building an incredible Tucker. culture. When you get to the pros, though, it's totally different. We're getting paid. The attention to detail is crazy. I walked into the Broncos facility the first day, two Super Bowl trophies right there, right when you walk into the locker room, you see them. So you know the standard is already set, like, hey, this is what we're here for. And then you have Peyton Manning, who just got to Denver maybe two years before that. They're coming off the Super Bowl loss against Seattle. So he's pissed. The entire organization's pissed because they got embarrassed. Um, but the standard was set, and he – Peyton, it's like hiring a great CEO, such as yourself. <laughs> it's it's business. When you're in there, it is business. And Peyton was like ready to go. He was dialed in. He was getting to know people. I mean, came up to me first day. Hey, Benny, you know, happy to have you on the team. You know, let's get to work. And it was like, wow. Like, he already knows my name. Similar to Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, the other quarterbacks that I played with. Like, they take it the time to get to know, especially the people who they're throwing the ball to regardless if you're undrafted or not. Yes. Um, 
but that standard was set and it was a culture of performance we are here to perform we are here to be the best and now when i look back at it i think you know the reason why it was is because they didn't have they don't you don't have any time to waste you can get hurt not only that you're you're playing in front of tv and then peyton was 38 oh yeah you know you <clears throat> knew his career was coming to an end Maybe, you know, you didn't know it was going to be the next couple of years. It could have been four or five years, whatever sure. it may be. But, like, you know, it was a finite amount of time. And there was no stone left unturned. Same thing with Drew, you know, Eli. It was the culture in the NFL. Good culture, it sticks out right away. And you can see it on the field in terms of attention to detail and how you're winning games. Yeah, thanks for sharing those examples. Obviously, you've... Pre- <laughs> Cut passes from some of the greatest quarterbacks that'll ever play. Yeah, which is, is such a special story and a special part of of what you'll sh- you'll share forward. Um, everywhere you go, you mentioned imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and that really stands out to me. Yeah, uh, stands out to me because I've heard others explain it. I have people that are near and dear to my heart in business and personally who talk about it, who struggle with it. I've struggled with it. I know it through therapy. Talk to us about imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome, you know, it's, we're always trying to put on this perfect picture of who we are and, you know, what we have or what we're doing. Like, you know, we have it all figured out. And as I've gotten older, it's just... <laughs> You're so young. <laughs> That, well, I, yes, I have. Yes, I'm I'm young, but at the same time, uh, a year in the NFL is like five to ten years of life, depending on if the season's going good or not. <laughs> so, yes, imposter syndrome definitely. When it comes to something like you know transitioning out of the NFL, you, know, you want to step into these business rooms and know that you know they want you want them to know like, all right, yes, I'm I'm a polished person. But I think I've actually gotten more business by just being completely honest. Like, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I will figure it out, or I have no problem figuring it out. Or, hey, I have people who have on my team who can figure that out. But you know, I just saw a podcast with Shaq the other day talking about the things that you know he kind of regrets throughout his career, and mm-hmm. you know, certain things about um, you know certain relationships that he had. But he talked about, yeah. You know, you try to act like you have it all figured out, but we don't. Yes, and that's okay. Yes, but there are some things that we're really good at. Be confident in those things. Yes, but the things that you're not, feel free to share. People, that's how you build the rapport right there. That's how I build the best rapport. Is like sharing some of my failures. I don't want to hear about everybody's success. I want to hear about you know some of the things that we might have in common. Yeah, I mean, I'm and I'm I'm glad you said that because I you know there's so many people out there today being, I think, more authentic about the adversity that they've faced, the adversities they've overcome, the ones they gave into, um, and the fact that it really is about failing forward, Mm -hmm. right? Accepting the fact that the greatest outcomes um, will typically follow many micro defeats. (laughs) 100%. Right? Share, Share... Share maybe one of the uh, sort of moments or achievements or moments of recognition that that are really meaningful to you. That's really meaningful to you. That uh, is something that has a special place in your heart. And tell us why. The uh, the one thing that comes to mind right now in terms of 
meaningful moments of significance to me would be my fiance saying yes <laughs> to marrying me <laughs> because you know she could easily said no but and that's, I loved that's... I loved reading the story on the wedding website. Yeah, I did love reading that story. <laughs> so that's a significant moment right there. Her saying yes. Uh, so thanks, Amanda, for saying yes. Yes. Shout out to my soon to be wife. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um, what else sticks out when it comes to that would be playing at Ford Field. So there's three moments at Ford Field. My last high school game, state championship, we didn't win. But it's an incredible moment to take, uh, you know, somebody who didn't play freshman or sophomore <coughs> football. Yeah, I don't think most people know that about yeah. you, right? Didn't play freshman. What was or your sport? Basketball still is. <laughs> <laughs> freshman or sophomore football didn't play. We go to the state championship. My junior year, um, I scored the game-winning touchdown in the semifinals to take us to the state championship. The following year, it's like okay, like we, but we had the number one running back in the state, number one linebacker in the state going to Notre Dame and then going to Michigan. Um, so it's like, okay, can I repeat that and take this team back? And with the help of my friends, you know, shout out to Chris Jackson, Moles, O'Neal Swanson, Josh Harris, Al Harris, we go back to the state championship. Um, that was a significant moment. Also at Ford Field, playing Florida Atlantic at Michigan State, my redshirt freshman year, I have my first catch in college. Another significant moment. Sunday night football, my second year in the NFL, back at Detroit, 60 people at the game, have my first NFL catch. Significant moment, though, awesome. because they give me a chance to, the Broncos give me a chance, like, hey, you're going to play tomorrow. Back at home, I'm going to do some, it's first time playing offense. Oh, my goodness. Going to the huddle, and we usually run this play for Demarius Thomas. You know, it's called Alley to X. <laughs> so we're calling, we're, we're getting ready to call this play. You know, uh, rest in peace to my my really good friend no Demarius. Doubt. Yes, um, I, I think Peyton called the play wrong though. He so he called Allie to F. I was the F. Called Allie to F, and he's like, "I think that's to you." I was like, "Yeah, it is to me." So it's like I'm super nervous. <laughs> Call the play. He throws me the ball. First down. Sunday night football. I had my first catch in the NFL at Ford Field in front of my family. Four catches for 50 yards in my first you know, real offensive action. But then, you know, fast forward to another significant moment in the Super Bowl where, you know, Peyton calls the play and he says, hey, give me a chance to get the laces. I'm throwing the ball to you. Like that, in that window right there. Yes. You know, from the third game of the season to now the Super Bowl. Now he's like, hey, I'm throwing it to you instead of like, hey, is, did I just call the right play? Are you sure? So I would think those are the moments that stick out right there. What... Oh my gosh, that has to be so special. Yeah, it's incredible. I I can remember I can see it in my head right now in terms of the huddle of like Oh man. You know, Sunday night football, this is every kid's <clears throat> dream and I'm doing it at home in front of my family. Do you ever see yourself coaching? Absolutely not. Uh kids, yes. Like I do it uh on Sundays back in Denver, um helping kids understand the technique of the game, but in terms of like going in every day and going through plays and no i'm good yeah and i and i i'm glad you i'm glad you said that though so i have to i have to tell the story about atlas asking us that <laughs> <laughs> when when you spend the night tonight if he sleeps in the same room as you if he's all of a sudden gonna have your hand skills yeah he's already got the, he's already got the skills within him that's the one thing is that 
you know, don't try to be like anybody else. You know, he's he's already got the skills, but that's hilarious. Yeah, we need you to put in a good word with Coach Bunkowski. So when he's in seventh grade next year, he may he may get a couple catches. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Coach B, that's a shout out to you. So Alex, make sure Coach B gets that. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about. Um, you've always struck me as somebody. Not that you have your entire life planned out or architected, but you just strike me as someone who's going on this journey very intentionally. Yeah. With drive, with confidence, with the mindset of abundance, with a rising tide lifts all boats mentality. Mm. Where, where is Benny Fowler going in the next 10 years? I, I don't have that type of plan, but I know it'll be big. Mm-hmm. I know it'll be uh, with people I love. Mm-hmm. I know, I know those things for sure. I know I'm strategic in terms of the people who I hang out with, the people I surround myself with, the people I will say yes to, the mm-hmm. people I will move for. Mm-hmm. So I'm super intentional about that. Now I don't know exactly where I'll be in ten years, but I know I'll be with my fiance, wife, yeah. number one. <laughs> I know that you know I'll be intentional about you know my 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 health, my lifestyle, but also you know the relationships that I've built with you, uh, my brother, my sisters, yeah. my family. You know I'm intentional about that. My good friends, you know, the Draymond Greens of the world, the Morel Evans of the world. You know people that I hang out with and I'm super close with. Um, my my friends in Denver, like sure. Red Trees, like, <clears throat> incredible mentor of mine that I spent a lot of time with, um, who I've g- gotten to know um, yourself. Like these are people like that I'll pick mm-hmm. up and move for anytime. Like I have a new locker room; mm-hmm. it's different. They're in different places, but I'm super intentional about those type of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rob Andrews of the world, Keith Roberts. These are people in Denver that I spend a lot of time with that are coming to my mind. Kenji Steer, Ryan Harris. Like these are like my new receivers quarterbacks but these are the people that i know intentionally i will be doing business with what what is the what is the decision making process that you go through you know you and i met a few years back um you saw the work we were doing with podium nationally mm-hmm. in in serving athletes entertainers business owners and ceos around financial planning matters when when you and i agreed that hey this is a one plus one equals seven yeah mathematical equation Absolutely. for us to work together mm. what 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 was the decision making process that you went through to say hey this is an organization that i'd love to be a part of um and uh and i think i could have a big impact on uh the way you speak about samantha ava and atlas huh that was it was easy after that yeah you know you care about your family thanks for saying that yeah i didn't you know the mission of podium is super important because I have been in that situation and what we're going to do in terms of strategically helping business owners, athletes, celebrities be better off and erase the statistic of, you know, athletes going broke or Mm -hmm. celebrities and things like Mm -hmm. that. That's super important. But who you are every single day, I have to be able to work with you every single day. I don't mind picking up the phone with you or getting on the phone with you or being at your, you know, being with your family or, hey, you know, Benny, I need you to do this. Like. If I have to dread getting on the phone with you, then trust me, we're not doing. I won't even think about it. Yeah. And it's easy for me. I don't know if that comes from my parents, but I don't have to consciously think about that. I have a good intuition about the people I hang out with. And you've met some of my friends, yes. and some of the, my people. Yes. You wouldn't have to question them being around your family. And yes. that's the whole point. 
Yeah, I still think, uh, you know, just as a, a, you know, quick comment on that, I still think back to um, when we went to the game together and Golden State was in town. And you were saying how to Draymond and Atlas was just standing there like starstruck. And Draymond just came over and signed his t-shirt because he's wearing his Michigan State t-shirt. Yeah. You know, and I was like, you know, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It's not really like that, as you know. And I've been around professional sports for a long time. You know, it's a blessing and a privilege to kind of be in that environment. You know, because what child does not grow up thinking, oh, my gosh, someday I want to play in one of these leagues, right? right. Um but it, it does say a lot about how you've navigated life auditing your circles and being intentional about who is in your life. Absolutely. Because I just saw that in how Draymond interacted with Atlas. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's everything. Um, but I would say that comes from my parents. Yeah. My parents, it doesn't matter what type of money you have. That doesn't matter who you are as a person will speak more. I think I, think, see, I saw LeBron say that the other day. It's like, you know, the world's super small. Don't be an asshole. You said that. Yeah, as well. we said all the time, you right? Said that, you you you've said that as well, but always. I saw LeBron say that on the shop the other day, and it's like, man, the world is super small, and I want you know if people bring my name up. Like, I don't want it to ever. That's be right. Like, oh, he's a horrible person. Yeah, and you know, that's. I think that's important. Reputation is everything. Um, as we get ready to wrap up for today, what is? a few quick pieces of advice that you would give young professionals as they're out there seeking out mentors. Every single guest we have on talks about the power and the impact that great mentors have had on their life in their life. Hmm. I think many times I see that young professionals, they just don't know how to confidently ask for time, for an opportunity to say hello, for an opportunity to get to know you. What's advice that you would give? You've had incredible mentors throughout your entire life, going all the way back to your parents, your brother Chris, et cetera, but like the coaches you've played for, what's advice you would give people on how to find a great mentor? You have to just go out there and ask. I mean, it's there is no blueprint or you have to ask. The mentors that I had in the NFL, you can ask. Emmanuel Sanders, I reached out to Demarius Thomas right oh, away. Yeah. I shared the stage with Rod Smith yesterday. Rod Smith uh, still has the records for Broncos undrafted in terms of catches and yards. I think he might be the just even the, even the leading receiver in Broncos history in terms of yards. Wow. But like when I was an undrafted free agent, he was the first person I reached out to in Denver. I would get with him every offseason. Didn't know him yes. at all. But I know I would have a regret if I didn't reach out and ask. <laughs> Yes. So, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, somebody I reached out to, all the people in business that I have now are mentors of mine. Those are people that I reached out to during the pandemic. Yes. Brett Trees is somebody who's become an incredible friend, and he's doing incredible things. He's got an incredible family office in terms of what he's doing. But I reached out to him randomly on LinkedIn because I was getting to know all the CEOs in Denver. If I didn't do that, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> All these people, a lot of these relationships that I have, I think about Garrett Clemens. Uh, he's in the oil and gas industry in, in Denver. I reached out to him during the pandemic on LinkedIn. A lot of the relationships that I have in Denver, <laughs> Denver is actually super funny. Is that I was just reaching out to people on LinkedIn during the pandemic. We were all locked in, so I was just having Zoom meetings and meeting these people and seeing. So you got to ask to get. And it's so funny that you say it, and we'll wrap up here, but... 
<clears throat> I think back to when I moved to Michigan and it was the first time I'd ever been in Detroit in my entire life and I'm 39 years old and I'm like I'm going to Michigan. I'm gonna I'm gonna serve and lead and you know uh, be a good steward of this firm and uh, in a market that I didn't know at all. And I just remember I started just cold calling CEOs and people who ran organizations that I thought, wow, I could learn a lot from that person about how to be relevant and add value in this market. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I just always think about when people say you will miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right, and how true that is, and how quickly we ignore it. Yeah, it's hard though. It's yeah. I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but yes, you will miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. But the quote is something. The action is something else. But you have to do it with somebody else. Like, challenge yourself for. Like, I have a mastermind group of my friends: Ty Clark, uh, AJ Troop, John Jakubic, Anthony Fields. Like, that's a mastermind that I created because. Yeah, some of this stuff is scary, but if I have my friends to challenge me, then I'm I'm better off. Now I don't I know I'm not doing it by myself for that imposter syndrome or like why should I really do this or yes. this person doesn't want to talk to me. Yes. Those things, you get those things out of your head by having people around you to like, no, you should do it. Do it. Do it today and then let's follow up and then how did it go? Instead of like, you know, you're going back and forth in your mind and then you're just like, "Ah, nah, I'm not going to do it." Last piece of advice for people listening today, something you've learned along the way. Maybe you did it well, maybe you didn't, but something you're taking forward with you. I always go back to this quote is, the biggest room in the world is room for improvement. I always say that. <laughs> it's something that I just live by, and it's something that I love to just share is that we can always improve. Uh, but now I would say relationship capital yeah. is the most important capital that you will have. Hey, I'm going to shout out to my boy Steve Orozco in Connecticut. The, uh, <laughs> I love it when he says we got to be humble savages. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why every time he says that, I think of you. Yeah. Humble savage. Uh, humble, be a humble savage. <laughs> be a humble savage. So, Steve, quick shout out to you from my boy Benny Fowler and I. Benny, it was awesome having you again. I'm so glad that you're home. Appreciate um, you. I'm glad we're together the next couple of days. And uh, thanks for making time. Thank you. I appreciate it.